Hey, I am officially announcing the 6th Annual Shepherd's Crook Intensive in Eminence, Missouri, May 16th through the 18th, and we would love to have you there. This year, A.D. Robles is going to be the speaker, along with Matt Reynolds and myself, and we're going to be spending three days, two nights, just having a great time here and really good teaching, but also having a really great time just doing some cool stuff. We're going to have a strongman competition, we're going to have an arm wrestling competition, and we're going to canoe about 50 miles on two of the most amazing rivers in the Midwest. We would love to have you come. If you're looking for a good father-son trip, this is the trip for you. If you're just looking for a really good men's trip, this is the trip for you. would love for you to register today. Go to theshepherdscrook.co or just reach out to me and I can make sure you're on the list. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our King, Jesus. everybody and welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today. I want to go ahead and remind you of a few things that we have going on and something that I'm really excited about that's coming up. It's the sixth annual Shepherd's Crook Intensive. It's coming up May 16th through the 18th and it's, uh, you know, going on six years and each year I think has been a little bit better than the last and this year is look, you know, shaping up to be a very good year as well. We have A.D. Robles coming in to speak. We have Matt Reynolds that's going to be talking a little bit about an upcoming book that he has coming out. And then I just actually talked to my good buddy, Scott Tungday, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott, and he might end up coming. And if he ends up coming, I'm going to remove myself from speaking and let him speak just to get us all fired up a little bit. He's so good at that. And uh, I'm hoping, hoping he's going to be able to make it. Um, so Shepherd's Creek Intensive, May 14th through the 16th. Would love to have you come. And or wait a minute, 14th, let's see, May 14th, 15th, 16th. I believe those are the dates. Just confirm that with the link in the show notes. And then uh, father-son trip, if you're looking for something like that, this is the trip for you. Would love for you to be there. I also want to remind you about a sponsor I have coming up. I'm rocking today a Duckworth sweatshirt or a Duckworth hoodie. Right now, there's a new company, Made in America. They do everything, source everything right here in this country, right in Montana. And I reached out to them and they were willing to partner with us for a month and uh, just to be checking out. we got a really cool giveaway that's going to be happening. This is their powder hoodie. And I don't know if you can tell or not, but this is that Moreno wool and it's incredibly warm and very comfortable. Love it. And you got a chance of, of doing a giveaway or, or winning a give, giveaway with that. So please check that out as well. And then finally, Sons and Slaves podcast. We're raising sons into men, and I'm taking my sons along along, along the way with me, and they're doing a fine job being co-host of this podcast. And so check sons, check out Sons and Slaves, and then Fruitful and Fearless for the ladies out there. Please check that out if you get a chance. All right. Without anything else to say, I'm talking to a long-lost buddy today, uh, Ryan Guerra. Uh, Ryan, how you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Good, Good deal. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and pray. And then I just want to catch up from because we're like, I don't know, 25 or 35 years removed from from being in the same church together. So I just want to hear all that story. And let's go, go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. Love it. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing and uh, just ask that this conversation be a just a really fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thank you for what you're doing in Ryan's life and uh, in his family's life. And just excited to hear all you're, you're up to. And uh, we thank you and praise you. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, bro. So it's been probably four or five years now. You reached out and you're like, hey, was your mom the children's church director? 
at Community of Faith Church. And yep. I was like, yep. So, okay, how did we make that connection? When were you in Marion or Carbondale? And yeah. then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I was born in 81 uh, there in Carbondale. And All right, Carbondale Memorial, man, me too. Yep, and uh, my earliest memories church-wise were running around Community of Faith and in the old building over there and then moving into the bigger building once they built that. And uh, so that's, that's yeah, and apparently we probably crossed paths, uh, most certainly back then, but, you know. Yeah, uh, no doubt. When I, was, when I was 10 years old, we ended up moving out of Carbondale, but we can get into that uh, here in a little okay. bit. Okay, well, let's 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 do that, but let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what you're currently up to. Sure. Yep, my wife and I, uh, Harper, uh, we met uh, in youth ministry uh, in Chicago, uh, where we both grew up most of our formative years there. Uh, we've been married for 22 years, and we've got three kiddos. Uh, our oldest is, uh, she's 13 and a half. Our next daughter is uh, 11, and then we've got a son uh, who's nine. And so uh, it's been it's been an interesting season, man, just moving into all of our kids are kind of out of the keep them alive phase mm -hmm. and into really an intentional development formation phase. So yeah. into the season. Yeah. So how was the move on the family? Because you moved from Chicago down to because you're in Tennessee now, right? Yep. Yep. So now we're in Tennessee. We're going on we'll be four years in in May. And okay. that, was a, that was a decision that we had always had on the radar that we wanted to end up in Tennessee. Okay. Uh, took about five years of praying and just waiting on the Lord's timing to make that move. And uh, the end of 2019, uh, put our house on the market and ended up moving to Tennessee smack dab in the middle of, of the whole spin up of what we went through, you know, in 2020. And, and the okay, next year. gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So what, what, what were your property taxes and what are they now? Dude. Oh man. <laughs> I will, I'll just say this, the house that we, that we purchased here, if we were living in Chicago, it'd be about $16,000 a year in property taxes. And we pay uh, maybe about 2,100 here. Oh my gosh, dude. That's just rips my heart out. Southern That's Illinois it. is not as bad as yeah. up in Chicago, but man, my buddy just moved down to Alabama and got a house. It was like 350 grand, got some property. And I asked him, you know, what are you, what are your taxes? And that, that's a topic of discussion. If you're in Illinois is, you know, what are your property taxes? And he's like, I think they're going to be like $700 this year. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. unreal. And man, down in Tennessee, you don't have that uh, income tax at all either. Yeah. State income tax, no, no factor there, which has been, been nice. You know, the way things are growing, we'll see how, how that may change in the future. But uh, for now, uh, it was a nice respite. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, did you have family down there? What was the connection with Tennessee? You just wanted to be there or what? Yeah. You know, so when Harper and I first got married, we would do, uh, you know, the cheap, cheap, easy vacation to go a you know, long weekend down to Chattanooga, the Smoky Mountains, that area, do hiking and, and things like that. We always loved it here. And, and we, I remember um, one of those first, second trip down, we just thought, man, this would be a great place to raise our kids. And yeah. I grew up in Southern Illinois. I always wanted to get out of the suburban context that I ended up growing up in from age 10, 11 on. And had always just felt this pull to, to move back to an area that's less suburban. And uh, when we saw what, what was possible, what we could do outside here, and we just thought, man, this would be a great place to raise kids. And, you know, but life life happened and we uh, started businesses, got involved in ministry, started our mm -hmm. family, and we were kind of locked in there. But we did have, um, I'm the oldest of four, and two okay. of my younger siblings came down here to go to college and ended up staying. Okay. So then we did have that family connection here. And we yeah, that's down. cool down here more often so yeah okay now where now tell me again what town in, in tennessee you might have just said it we're not, yeah we're just just east of nashville about uh half hour in a town called mount mount juliet okay is that on 40 or 24 
right off 40. Yeah. Off 40. Okay. We're going to be actually heading through there because I'm speaking at a conference in Knoxville in April. Oh, man. So we'll be hitting 40 right. and heading that way. But I went down on 24. So I went to school at Lee University, which is in Cleveland, yeah. Tennessee. And so I just hit 24 and, you know, in Southern Illinois and then ended up going all the way to Chicago and then, or uh, Chattanooga and then went north a little bit. And yeah. I spent five or six years down in Tennessee and really loved yeah. it down there. So, okay. So let's go back up ministry then. So, like you said, you, you met Harper and you doing youth ministry. So you were in Chicago. Uh, I mean, you grew up in a Christian home. Did when did you become a Christian? And then is that I mean, you, did you pursue ministry? Is that were you, were you a youth pastor or an elder at a church? What what was what was that all about? So that I'll try to make that short. So okay. uh, I was about eight years old at Community Faith. Um, you know, accepted the Lord, understood the gospel, and uh, was baptized. Uh, from that point on, I would say that that the Lord definitely was present in my life. But for me, when I was fifteen years old, I ended up going to public school. Um, I'd been homeschooled throughout you know, my school career up to that point, I was a sophomore okay. and I was in a public school and really was challenged at that point of like, okay, you were raised this way, but how much of this really is your own versus, you know, just the context and the culture that you've grown up in. Mm-hmm, right. Faced with different choices in, in the course of being, being in public school that year and just really had to make some, some decisions in terms of, you know, am I going to live the way that I'm called to live based on what I say, I believe, or am I going to kind of matriculate to, you know, the, the, the easy choices. And um, overall, that course of that particular year was really formative. And I would say that that was the year that really uh, God captured my heart and said, you know, you're mine. Awesome. Uh, and this is what that means. And uh, it, it translated into um, just being evangelistic in terms of my relationships there and encouraging um, and uh, building up other friends there who were believers, even back then in a public school setting where that was a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So then did you pursue pastoral ministry at some point? Have you been an elder? Because uh, weren't you at Joe Thorne's church for a minute or somewhere up there in yep. connection with those guys? Yeah. Redeemer, man, the guys at Redeemer have been a huge encouragement uh, in, in the course of uh, ministry, uh, the, the ministry at the time I spent in ministry. And we were there for about a year after we actually closed the doors on a church plant. Oh, had, okay. Okay. That had, uh, had, had ran for about two and a half years. And okay. so that kind of during our recovery phase uh, were you there. pastoring that church plant so i was a worship pastor and executive okay. pastor. And okay gotcha served on the elder board there with about five other men so, okay gotcha yeah. so it, uh, did you kind of put that on a shelf are you pursuing pastoral ministry still or i know you got the forge man collective we'll talk about that here in a minute but are you an elder at your church currently i'm not currently uh the church that we're in now or we're just uh we're attending we're members and okay. uh, you know, we work to serve, um, you know, where we, where we feel God's calling us to, to serve there. Uh, but at at the end of 2016, when we, uh, when we closed the door on that church plant, um, there, there really at that time was just the need for, for rest and recovery. Okay. Got it. Up up to this point, um, there hasn't been a door that's been open, uh, to step into. And I feel like somebody told me a long time ago that a need, um, a need isn't always a calling. And I think for us as men, we are so eager to, to step in and meet needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes we step into, to meet needs where maybe we're not actually called to, or maybe we need to leave room for somebody else who really is called to step in and do that. And so with that in mind, I haven't found anything at this point that would mm-hmm. lead back into vocational ministry, Yeah, uh, but most certainly still have the ministry mindset mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, just raising our children. And yeah. engagement yeah. In the church community, and then uh, also with Forgeman. So cool. 
planting in Chicago, it feels like almost an exercise in futility. If you, I mean, to, to be a sustainable church in that area, uh, my buddy, Chris McLaughlin was up there. I don't know. Did you know Chris? A guy named Chris actually was planted through uh redeemer. I think, I think they yeah. were, they were planning. Well, they, you know, just even facilities, getting facilities and the, the cost and the expense of everything is so high up there yeah. to be able to have a, a building. It, it's almost like you need three or 400 people to be sustainable as a congregation and you need somebody to give you their building. And uh, they were meeting in a hotel. And then when the government lockdowns started, because of those government regulations, they actually had to go into Wisconsin to gather as a church because they didn't have own space. Mm -hmm. And it seems so difficult in urban context with all this church planning push for city, cities and stuff. But cities like Chicago, it almost feels impossible. It would, it would seem to me to be more shrewd to just get your church planning team and and legitimately, I'm not saying this facetiously, go into a congregational setting of a dying dying church and take over. And it would seem like that would be a better plan, long-term strategy of literally voting yourself the building and voting yourself into the leadership of a church uh, that already owns that own space than planting. Because it seems like it's almost just unsustainable. You just need millions of dollars, it seems like. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a good point, and and I think spot on. Uh, what we found was that the, the little town that we planted in, which is a town called Winfield, it was okay. uh, in the middle of you know it's right next to Wheaton, where Wheaton College is. I mean, church central, but Winfield itself only had uh, two churches in it. One, the Catholic Church that had been there for many many decades, and a, and a Lutheran church that was uh, pretty much just in maintenance mode, maybe in in diminishment, and so. We felt like that particular community and the community next to it in West Chicago was a community that we wanted to have a church presence in. And um, for a lot of different factors, uh, the 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 longevity of that church uh, was not what we hoped it would be. But mm -hmm. to your point, one of the things that we found is a lot of the people who attended uh, Mercy Hill Church, uh, which was the name of that, that, that church, a lot of them stepped in <laughs> having been part of other churches, but not really serving, um, not really uh, giving a time. And, and talents, maybe treasure, but not that, that time and talent piece. And because it was a church plant, and if you planted a church, you know that that means all hands on deck mm -hmm. in multiple different areas. What's been really neat to see in the years following um, closing the doors of that church plant is the people who went out, who came in without necessarily the, the belief that, of how important service was and how they are now serving in the other churches. Oh, that's great. And so, you know, at first, when you look at it, like, you feel like, oh, man, we failed at this. And yet at the same time, that's been one of the one of the really cool takeaways that God said, no, like we had this here for a season for a purpose. And, and this mm -hmm. is one of the things that is fruitful from that yeah. time. And so right. that's been neat to see. Yeah, so. very cool. Okay, well, let's switch gears again. Forged Man Collective or Forged Men Collective. What is it? Why are you doing it? And how's it going? Yeah, so we're we're through the first first year of it, and so I think the proof of concept phase is kind of and founders phase is is where we are coming out of with that. Okay. So the, the way that it started was uh, spent in uh, in the course of also doing ministry bivocationally. I had an investment advisory business for twenty two years. Okay, and over the course of those years, I interacted with a lot of men um, who were you know my senior by multiple decades who were nearing the end of you know their career life or at least the the time in their life where they had to work. And the recurring theme that I kept coming across was the sense of having left so many things to chance in pursuit of their career and believing that everything else in their life is just going to find a way to work itself out. You know, the mm -hmm. health 
family, their faith, all of these different things that they felt over time, they'll just work themselves out. And then them realizing that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. And so through the course of wrestling with God for about two years around what he had next, um, and, and, and wrestling with the identity of the business that I'd built and what I knew and walking away from that entirely. I spent a couple of years trying to do both, you know, mm -hmm. develop Forge Man and the idea behind that and, and establish it and the investment advisor business to realize that God was uh, challenging me with uh, just the choice to trust okay. him and step out of that. And so the goal of, of that really for me was to step out of that industry and to do the work to not leave life and legacy to chance in my own life. And as I talked to other men about what I was doing to be intentional about that, not knowing really what God was calling me to specifically next, uh, there's about half a dozen men who said, Hey, if you ever create anything where you're gathering men together to do this together, let us know. Okay. And I always loved uh, men's ministry, discipleship, all of that and thought, okay, this is an opportunity at least to step into that and not go this alone on my own. And so we did that. And uh, now at this point, we've got two different cohorts that meet e each week, Okay, uh, men from all over the country and uh, just pursuing that, that idea of pursuing what we're called to vocationally and yet making sure that we're not leaving these other important aspects and elements of what it means to be, to be a man and to live into the calling that he has on our lives Okay, uh, to just sort themselves out and hope that it works out. Right. So we're, one of our big values is intentionality. And so okay. where do we need to apply intentionality in different areas of our life in the same way we do vocationally? And so, man, my dream with that is just to continue to, to gather men to help interrupt that pattern in kind of our age stage of life where a lot of us are looking back and saying, I've been at something for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gathered some experience, some knowledge. What's next? Yeah. And so whether somebody calls it a midlife crisis or just uh, midlife considerations, a lot of men are in that place. Uh, when you hit your late thirties, early forties and say, man, okay, 20 years has gone by. What are the next 20 years going to look like? And how right. do I make so Yeah. Very cool. So are you leading both of those cohorts or do you have somebody that leads one of them and you lead the other one? Yep. Currently, currently I, I, I lead both cohorts uh, okay. as we get into the third and fourth cohorts. Uh, I have a, a guy or two uh, in mind in the existing mm -hmm. cohorts that I think will be ready to jump in and and lead those those next ones Good. as well. So how has your time in investments and investment coaching or, or was it pretty much like an independent Edward Jones guy? Is that what you were like a financial planner, investment guru kind of guy? Okay. So is that part of what you're doing with Forge Man then? Is, is, are you training them and coaching them and, and those sides of things, you know, that part of their life as well? Or is it, is it basically the intentionality of work development and life development in the home? Yeah, it really, it, it doesn't revolve a whole lot around what I've done in the past, although okay. it's my experience that, that at least I bring to the table uh, mm -hmm. as a part that comes from that. And okay. we will we will have, you know, so each month what we do is we, you know, we look at a particular element of what it means to be a forge man who's mm -hmm. man integrity, honor, and intention. And so, for example, this month we're digging into the topic of anger. Okay. What does it mean to, what does it mean to, um, to be uh, to lead our anger versus to be led by our anger. Mm -hmm. We're diving into that, but in the midst of that, man, the content really is created for to give us something formal to gather around. Okay. But as so often happens in those contexts and settings, the conversations that spin off is where the real value is in the relationships yeah. that we build. And so the financial piece uh, plays a part 
in terms mm-hmm. of my context of experience. And then from time to time, we'll hit on, on financial topics. Okay. So Lord willing, ministry goes exactly how you want it to go in 10 yeah. years. What does the ministry look like? Yeah. In uh, 10 years from now, man, uh, I would love to be in a role of developing uh, the men who are leading the cohorts. Here, here's what I've found is that as men, we all pursue, uh, at least intentional men, um, pursue growth, right? And we want to grow. Mm-hmm. But I think that just as much as the desire to grow, we as men have a desire to contribute mm-hmm. and to to make sense and bring purpose to bear uh, based on what we've walked through. And so 10 years from now, um, man, I would love to be in a, in a, a role where I am leading uh dozens of cohort leaders who are facilitating and leading those cohorts who have been given the opportunity to to lead something and have a place to contribute and to mm-hmm. lead uh, and to be in the position of leading them at, at a different level. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. So on the content development side of things, because a lot of times people that are doing this sort of thing, they're either accumulating content and putting it together. So just assimilating really good resources that provide the source material for the group or are you producing stuff yourself? Are you going to be doing a podcast or are you writing material right now? What's that side yeah. of thing things look like? Yeah, the, the content is probably kind of in the in the background. Most of the work that I do um, outside of just staying connected with the men and uh, who are in the cohort is uh, is really focused on creating the content. Okay. The, the content, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to reinvent the wheel and so what i put together isn't necessarily a reinvention of the wheel but it is probably um it's a conglomeration of Mm -hmm. things that i'm pulling which i think adds a lot of value for men because then they don't have to go out and read three different books on the topic or listen to eight different podcasts you know it's it's kind of distilling down based on what our mission is what the vision is and each and the the makeup of the men and saying what what best is going to serve us Mm -hmm. based on where these guys are at and being able to bring it and I'm committed each month to keep it to one page. Okay. So it's one page of content divided into the weeks and just fire, fire away on, on different elements of that particular, particular topic. Very cool. Yeah. So a lot of times men's group can almost degenerate into a, almost a church bashing session. Yep. And I know you're a churchman yep. and love the local church. So how do you, in a, in a group of guys, because a lot of guys are frustrated, they recognize some problems within the church, or their church is effeminate. They don't address feminism. Uh, you know, it's it's not a it's not a great church, and this is where I'm stuck. And my family's here; we can't really leave. That kind of thing. So, how do you encourage guys in the area of connecting in a local church to love the church and work towards? You know, if there's problems there, all right, well, then get after it and uh, make things better. So, h- how do you do that to encourage guys to? To be churchmen themselves. Yes, I love this question. Um, I love this question because it's something that comes up so often, like you said. And the thing about, I'll just preface it with this: with Forged Man, um, it is not a. I, I say this hesitantly, I guess, maybe because of my church background, but it is not a faith forward um, in terms of on the surface. You know, you have to be a Christian to be part of this. But what we mm-hmm. found is the majority of men who are stepping into it are, and then there's some who are sitting there saying, "I'm going through the same things that." some of these other men who are believers are going through, but they are doing it differently. And they have this foundation of faith. Like maybe that's what I'm missing. And so it's been awesome. Right. To see those men within the context of forge man begin to explore the role of faith and following Jesus. Right. I mean. um, so, so forge man itself, uh, 
is has has that intent behind it. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, you are right. I think that that we we do come up against the fact that most churches, not all, but most churches do not do men's ministry well. Mm -hmm. um, and so my encouragement to all of the men is be involved and mm -hmm. and and work to create the vision of what you believe it should be respectfully and, and in submission to the leadership as much as, as, as you're able, um, to, to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the encouragement to all the men, of course, is to lead your family first and foremost. And that includes how you show up in church and how you're engaged. Yeah. And so that, that is a huge part of the encouragement. I think the big difference between what I've seen between men's ministry and church and what's happening in forge man, and where I think it's a good supplement, not a replacement, but a good supplement for men's ministry in church, regardless of whether that is a good ministry or, or not, is that um, Forge Man is very much more forward focused. Okay. And it's that, okay, what is the God-given potential you've been given? And let's dig into that and, and really dive into that. So it's less, um, we certainly, I mean, every call we're talking about scripture, scripture comes up, you know, what we're, what we're getting from the sermons in our church, that stuff all comes to light. Mm -hmm. but it really is talking about, Hey, what is it you want to accomplish? What do you feel God is calling you to do? Are you in the right season to pursue that? I think as men, so often we get an idea of this is what I want to do it. Yet we take very little time to assess. Okay. But is God, does God have me in the right season to do that with my family, with my work, mm -hmm. all of these things. And so, um, so I, I look at forge man as a great supplement, but not a replacement to his yeah. ministry within, within church. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll tell you this. I mean, one of the things I'd love to do eventually as time goes on is to actually step in and, and work with churches and alongside churches and say, this is what's working for men and forge men. What does that look like to create something along those lines for men's ministry and church and help mm -hmm. support that uh, so that men have that available in, in their church um, yeah. and lead their churches. So Yeah, very cool. I know that's a lot, but uh, no, that's great. No, it's great stuff. Yeah. I love what you got going on. It's it's really really a good thing. So obviously it's going well. Uh, go ahead and give a pitch then. So you got an audience of mostly guys that are listening in. Uh, make a pitch. Who is the guy that you're wanting to help, and why should they look into what you got going on? Yep. Uh, so the, the 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 guys who who seem to be getting the most out of engaging in the cohort. Um, side of forge man collective and we've got we have forge man collective which is the free facebook group on you know, on facebook but then the cohort the forge man cohort is the membership side where guys can step in and and i kind of look at that as like guys who are interested in the idea of all of this jump into the facebook group the guys who say hey i want some level of commitment and walking alongside other men they're going to jump into the cohort but most of the men who are jumping in they know that there's something in their life that they feel like they're not giving attention to that they need to um but they're busy and they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so having the opportunity to step into an environment and a context and a community where there's a multitude of counselors is, is a huge value to them. And so my encouragement to men is always um, to, to jump in and to commit to something like this for, for three months, because it takes a while to develop those relationships. Okay, three months. Yeah. Yeah. Jump in, commit to three months. And at the end of three months, let's have a conversation. Like, is this, is this what you need right now in this season? And if it's not, mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, but what we found, you know, last year, talking to the guys who were in it last year, as we recapped and into the year, one of the recurring themes that I heard was, man, this was one of the most challenging or hard years for me personally or for our family, but it was one of the best years mm. because of 
the community here and what I was able to take from here and apply in those challenges in the midst yeah. of those challenges. So that, cool. that, makes me, that makes me very grateful that it's having that kind of impact. And not just that they're noticing the difference, but man, their wives, their kids, their friends are saying, man, that you handled that differently than I've seen you handle that before. Mm. Yeah. And so men are walking away more equipped and also with the op opportunity to come back and kind of debrief how things went. Uh, and we can celebrate with them um, or we can encourage them. We can challenge them. Guys, what I do love too is that it spans the age the age range as well. We've got guys in their early 20s, new dads. We've got guys in their 50s, kids in the house, out of the house. And so you've got just this huge, just um, dynamic environment of men to give insight and encouragement and uh, and also celebrate. And that's one of the things we do focus on is, I think as, as men so often we're like, yeah, I met the minimum standard, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's no real pat on the back. There's no celebrate, but man, some men just need help getting back to maintenance mode. So they mm -hmm. have to build on. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit. Cause I, I know this is, a, it seems like a, a key piece to what you're doing. It, it may not be in that side of things, but at least in your personal development, it's been a part and that's just physical fitness. So you're four, so you said you were born in 81. So you were like my buddy, Micah, do you remember the name Micah Oakley, Justin Adams, uh, Andy Moreau, uh, yeah. Remember any of those names? Okay, so first, the first one you mentioned sounds familiar. Yep. Okay, gotcha. My buddy Micah, he's my doctor now, so okay. it's pretty pretty cool to have one of your childhood buddies. You just text a buddy and, and you know get whatever you need, whatever That's it awesome. may be. Um, but go ahead and tell us what. So physical fitness is a part of your life. What's that look like? Uh, how has that been a part of your life for for a long haul? And I've just started deadlifting and bench pressing last year. Uh, I had been doing some. I've been a runner for like 20 years. I've always been a skinny guy, but I, I kind of had a flip or a switch that flipped. I wanted to be skinny and strong, not, you know, skinny and weak <laughs> and flabby. Yeah. Uh, so what is that? What's that look like for you? And uh, uh, yep. why are you doing Why are you doing it? Yeah. So that's changed for me the last two years. So oh, it has. Okay. It turned, turned 40, you know, a couple of years ago and uh, 42 now. And so uh, definitely looking at it and saying, okay, there's certain things that are important now that weren't important before and certain things that are, uh, are more challenging now than they were before and trying to figure that out. So I'm actually kind of in the middle of, of developing what's next. Okay. Uh, played soccer growing up. So I had that you know, as far as athletic, athletics, athletics, but didn't really do much else besides that played soccer. And that was it. Uh, into mm -hmm. high school started lifting. Um, I'm kind of the opposite probably from you. I, I was never a runner. Didn't really enjoy running. I uh, still don't necessarily enjoy it, but uh, I have, picked that up and kind of gone the um the hybrid training route uh, okay. and that's really been helpful for me because man at this point get keeping my endurance up be able to keep up with my kiddos and uh that's been that's been a priority and then just for health reasons i want to make sure that that i'm addressing that so mm -hmm. i've tried to make it really simple i run three days a week and have a program that i run that uh for that and i lift three days a week and right now gotcha. for lifting, i'm just working through a five by five program and i'll tell you if anybody is looking to get into um, to lifting and they need to kind of just restart, man, a good five by five program is a great place to start to to, to start building strength and kind of setting a um, uh, a foundation for whatever you might do next. Okay, uh, so that's been good. But man, fitness has always uh, has has always played a, a role. But I would say that for me, I look at it as a gift from God. Uh, mm -hmm. I, me, man, there is no um, there's really not, not a whole lot I can do outside of physical movement and activity that resets 
the the body, soul, and spirit. Yeah, um, right. And I, it might not be that way for everybody, but for me, man, it puts me. You know, I, I had somebody say, "Well, you know, maybe maybe prayer should be." I'm like, no, like it it gets me in the mindset and the mode to be more prayerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be more grateful. And so for me, uh, it's just an essential thing. And if I don't do it. I know that I'm going to pay the price throughout the course of that day, um, not having done that. So yeah. not just from a physical standpoint, but from how I show up. Yeah. So. Um, good stuff. All right. Well, last question. And then I'll let you tell everybody where you can, uh, where they can find more information. Sure, Why? And I just do this because I, I want this podcast on the front end to be uh prayer. We enter in through prayer. And then at the end, I want to just talk about God's grace. And I, I set people up to talk about his grace by just asking each person I interview, why do they love Jesus? So Ryan Guerra, why do you love Jesus? Man, <clears throat> because for me, um, without him, I know that the things that I pursue on my own uh, do not lead to anything other than pride. And um, going back to the idea of, of building a life and a legacy, I don't want a legacy that's built on my own accomplishments that only... Uh, that only exists because of what I've accomplished. And uh, I know that the eternal factor is important for me and that's what I'm leading my kids towards. Um, and so the, the pride issue for me, um, without Jesus, I have no other choice, but pride. Mm -hmm. And I've seen where that's led me in the past. And, um, other than that, the, the whole idea of personal development, personal growth is so empty. It's so empty. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives without mm-hmm. something more than just what I can, you know, dig internally and find like that's, that's an empty well, like mm-hmm. it's an empty well. And, yeah. and we know that that's not the case with, with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yes. And amen. That's good stuff. Well, if people are interested, where can they find out more about what you got going on? Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, Forgemancollective.com is uh is the main website for what we're doing here and uh and then on facebook and i know not everyone's on facebook but on facebook the forge man uh, collective facebook group is a great place to just jump in and uh and kind of see what see what we're all about see what kind of men make up this type of community and uh determine if it's the right fit and the right season for guys awesome. to jump into something like that and awesome. i always welcome opportunity to have those conversations very cool well i'll put that in the show notes and uh thanks for coming on the show guys we've been talking to ryan guerra ryan appreciate it man Yeah. Thanks so much, man. It's good to be here. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.